Okay, welcome to Showdown. I'm Mark Kaysen, and this is Monday, February 26th, and we've got a number of things going on today. I, I see one of our, our guests is uh, uh, in the car, which is uh, an amazing thing about technology in, in, in 2024. You can, you can do, um, well, Facebook, Google, whatever, whatever you got. This is, all, this is the same thing, that same kind of link. And uh, so we've got, is it Miss CJ? Yes, it is. Good well, after evening. Absolutely, Miss CJ. And, you know, you came to me through uh, Carla and Miguel. And mm-hmm. ha- have you known them a long time? I've known them for a few years. I've watched their work for many years, but I've had the pleasure of knowing them just for a few years. Absolutely. Carla and Miguel own a uh, a place called uh, Tilly's Corner, Mm-hmm. And that's in uh, Jeff Vanderloo in St. Louis. And they are um, they're terrific people because they really care about their community. Correct. And Jeff Vanderloo, of course, has uh, uh, suffered a great deal uh, because of uh, the unfortunate uh, way in which the city, has played politics with North St. Louis. And here's Stephanie. And Stephanie, how are you? I'm well. How are you? I am great. And I want to introduce you here to uh, Ms. CJ. Hey, CJ. How you doing, Stephanie? Nice to meet you. Hi. Nice to meet you, too. Nice to meet you, too. And uh, we were just talking about Carla and Miguel, who really uh, set this up uh, because... Uh, they do great work, I say, in Jeff Vanderloo, which is, of course, accurate, but that that s- certainly includes where I used to teach, which is at Vashon High School. And they do so much. They, not only do they do a tremendous amount connected to the schools, but they also work really hard with uh, homeowners in that neighborhood uh, trying to be sure that people are treated fairly uh, during the the transition from where we've been, which has not been very good in North St. Louis, to the um, the age of two billion dollars coming in um, from the mapping agency. So uh, this this is a big deal uh, with with what's happening there. We, we know that Paul McKee has been instrumental in some of this work. And a lot of people worry because Paul McKee has been instrumental in a lot of this work. Uh, he, he, he's a guy that's, that's out to make a lot of money for himself, which is fine. You know, making some money is, is a good thing, but you got to think about the people who you're connected to. And especially in this case, people in this neighborhood who have been beat around by government over and over uh, after promises and 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 all kinds of things that have not worked out and you know here we are with another promise of this 2 bill 2 billion dollars of investment and always the question has been how's this going to help us how's this going to help the people who are there is this just a a, a gentrification plan that intends to move black people out and white people in. Is that the story? Uh, obviously, they're going to have uh, jobs at, uh, at this agency that will pay anywhere, you know, $75,000, $100,000 a year. Those are nice jobs. Uh, the question is, will people from the neighborhood get them? Uh, obviously, you've got to have some, some uh, education. You, you've got to have uh, some ability uh, to fill the needs of the agency. That's all fine and understandable, yet there are still people there who have been there for a long time, have, have their, their lives invested in, in JVL, and somebody just needs to be sure that somebody's being s- sympathetic to their needs. So 
with all of that having been said, I guess you, uh, CJ, you're you're involved. I, I I think I've been led to believe in in the anti-charter school movement. Is that correct? Um, we are trying to stop uh, privately ran charter schools from continuing to open. Yes. Okay. Okay. And you know we we've talked about that in the last few days, and not intentionally. It just sort of came up into the conversation, partly because Jamila, uh, Senator Jamila Nasheed, uh, got onto the air and uh, she started talking about it because she supports these charter schools. And, you know, I've been a teacher for 23 years in, in St. Louis, uh, first in, in St. Louis public schools in the last five years at Cardinal Ritter. And are you familiar with Cardinal Ritter, CJ? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. I mean, if you're black in St. Louis, you you know Cardinal Ritter. Uh, it, it is it is quite a a fabulous uh, anchor institution. Uh, however, we've got public schools that have been uh, completely ignored uh, again by government. And you know, when I, one of the things I always think back to is uh, Governor Jay Nixon, who who was sitting on $100 million from the uh, DSEG program that was supposed to go to the public schools and never did, and only in the end did finally some of that money get there. And when it did, uh, the public schools promised things based on the money, and many of the things that they promised never showed up. So this is a complicated situation, and at the same time, anytime you open a charter school up, uh, no matter what they say about it being a public school, the fact is it is siphoning funds away from our traditional public schools. And if we're trying to make the traditional public schools into what they should be in order to take care of the kids, then it's a problem if you're sending money off to private organizations that are, number one, looking to make a profit. I understand in America people want to make a profit, but not off of kids, and certainly not off of kids in the inner cities where the kids have been unbelievably mistreated over so many years, and as far as I can tell, continue to be mistreated. So that's what I got to say to start. Um CJ, you want to give us uh, your your ideas here on what's happening? Looks like we lost her for a quick minute, Mark. We oh. got Gloria on. Oh, Gloria. I'm sorry. I didn't see you behind one of the screens here. I'm sorry. So, uh, Gloria, uh, again, we've uh, talked about the fact. There, I got you clearly on the screen. Uh, we talked about the fact that you came through uh, Carla and Miguel. Two fabulous people who I've known for many years. And, uh, you know, they, they, they just have the community's best interests at heart. They, they, they work hard. They, they bring people together. They set up meetings to try to help uh, to, to spread the word in the neighborhood so that people aren't taken by surprise by a lot of these private enterprises coming in to, to try to maybe they say do better. And, and we want better, but we don't want better at the expense of people who have been there for a long time and have their lives invested in these neighborhoods. So uh, I, I know what, now we've got CJ back, but uh, maybe you have some comments to start us off too, Gloria. Hi, can you hear me? Perfectly. Yeah. We can hear you. Yes. Okay. Um, thanks for having me. Um, and uh, again, I do echo those sentiments about the Alexanders and their their love for community and how they have uh, really invested a lot of time, um, energy, and support um, to our our neighborhoods and and public schools. Uh, I am a champion of public schools. I heard you when you started the conversation, you were you asked uh, Miss CJ if she was anti-charter schools. I don't think that that's the proper terminology. Like we're not anti um, when it comes down to um, 
schools of any kind, you know, when it comes to our students being educated, of course, we all want that. We all want what is best for our students. What um, if, if you were to put anti in front of anything, I would say uh, the term would be privatization. And that's what it is. Um, and when it basically boils down what is happening when it comes down to our schools, um, it's not a, they're not making moves. The folks that have money um, in our city that are driving, um, that are that are driving towards school privatization, they're not trying to improve schools, they're trying to privatize them. Um, they're trying to make sure that they are in charge of, um, that they can get their hands on public funding um, so that they can do things in the way that they want to have them done. And so that is to our detriment. Um, anytime you're pushing for these um, so-called changes that's supposed to help everybody, but you're removing the citizens' right to vote um, and you're removing the citizens' right to collectively bargain, um, we have a problem. Um, you're talking about democracy. You're talking about removing democracy. And we, I'm against that. I know Ms. CJ is as well. And so we're standing up for our students. We want our students to learn. We want our students to thrive. We want them to have every resource that they need. Um, and at the same time, we know that the charter schools that are being offered, that's not going to be the, the solution to, to all of the things that ail our community. So, yeah. Gloria Nolan, let me ask you, are you the one, are you connected with the union? Is that is that correct? I I say I'm a union wannabe. Uh, Miss CJ is a part of the union. Gotcha. I am four twenty. I am right? not. A Yes, uh, Miss CJ can speak to um, her role with Local 420. Okay, but uh, I, I wish that I were like I almost want to go back to school, but I don't want any more student loan debt. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> you have any questions here to start off, Stephanie? Uh, not yet. I'm, I, I'm, I'm so far. Not yet. Okay. No problem. Give me a minute. No problem. I just wanted to let you in if you, if you had a comment. Well, let me, let me ask you this, CJ. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with 420 and, and, and the, the St. Louis public schools. I, I taught there for 16, 17 years, whatever the number is. And I can, can say that, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a difficult situation that exists. And I say difficult because uh, I know that uh, many teachers have felt um, devalued, uh, if not by the union, certainly by the administration in the school district. And, and, and then the union maybe in some cases has tried to step up, uh, but, but has found that difficult in the past. But but tell me, give me some feedback here. What what's it look like now? Is is it better than it was? Um, Mr. Casey, I um want to talk about I want to focus on the public education and the privatization of charter schools. I'm really not here to talk about what's good or bad inside of the union or outside of the union or inside of the schools. I'm just trying to be here to support our underserved um, communities and areas. That's probably a different conversation for another. OK, day. and I don't mind, you know, yeah. not, you know, getting into that. But but I will say that uh, overall, I think all of us, and certainly I'm, I'm hearing it from you two, uh, and I know where Steph is, uh, you know, strong support for, for our young people, a strong belief that uh, these schools need to truly serve the communities uh, in a positive way and, and to take the money that goes to our public schools and to divert it to private corporations, which promise to do great things, but it's not even the issue because even if they did great things, uh, not being connected to this overall public education system that we've created in this country since the mid 1800s uh, misses an important opportunity that, that we truly have to rebuild the inner city education system in a way that benefits everybody, not just somebody that finds a way into the system through a, a lottery or something like that. Does that make any sense, CJ? 
Did they freeze? I don't know. I think she's frozen. Oh, okay. CJ's frozen. Uh, Gloria, any sense? Sure. Yes. And so that's what um, that's what we're kind of kind of having this conversation about uh, leading up into showing this documentary and it's called Backpack Full of Cash. Um, we're going to um, really unpack this this notion, this notion of, um, you know, creating islands of privilege um, within a sea of inequity. And that's that's pretty much what um, charter schools um, that's what they do. They will have a, um, they'll have a bright idea. Like, I guess back to back it up a little bit, you know, the idea was started by a person that was in the union, uh, Albert Shanker, but, um, it definitely, the idea of charter schools has taken on a whole different flavor because of moneyed interest getting involved and creating schools that, um, would, make competition baby, with public baby, schools baby. and that was not that was not the original goal and so public education is a public good it is not meant to be a in the marketplace uh whatever have you and so that is that is what um privatizers and school choice proponents that's what they do they basically want to say hey we have this offering of um this this new and this fun and this exciting idea give us public funding to do it we'll take control of it and we'll get results um we've had charter schools in st louis over the past 20 years we have seen the results um some of the schools that are doing the best um so your lafayette preps and and those schools those schools are planted in neighborhoods where they're the most affluent neighborhoods in the city. Um, those students have all the resources at their fingertips, um, their family life, um, all of the resources and, and, and whatever they need to really thrive. Um, and then we have um, some of the other schools that look just like um, the district. And those schools that look like the district, they are um, still in a position where they can push out the students that they don't want to serve. And those students do wind up back in St. Louis public schools. Those students deserve an education as well. And when you look at the scores, um, many are at district level or be below district level or only slightly above. They are not knocking it out of the park. Um, and with the resources that they're taking and the messages that they're pushing in the community, you would think that they would be off the charts in terms of testing. Um, and it, that is just not the case. And so why divert all of these resources? Why take the funding? Why take away the right to vote? Um, and the the ability for teachers to collectively bargain. Why take all of that off the table just to receive um, a few points on a um, on a test? And it, it's barely there. And those are the same students that would be performing uh, where they are in the district as well. Yeah. Um, our teachers are doing a great job with what they have. We are getting less and less and asked to do more and more um, within the district of St. Louis Public. And it is um, an unfair situation. And um, the privatizers that are coming in, such as the Opportunity Trust and the folks that are trying to open more schools, they are taking advantage of that um, that tough situation. Sure. And and one of the things that, that, that stands out in terms of what you have already described is let's just look at, for example, um, within the district itself. Um, if you've got a school uh, that is just simply uh, doing uh, uh, this business of bringing in special kids, kids that they know are scoring very, very high and, and, and moving these other students who aren't scoring high into to schools that nobody's really worried about at the moment, uh, then what you have is you have some incredible, successful school that everybody points to and says, wow, that one's doing terrific. And then they've, the, the other schools are sitting here uh, trying to, to survive. But first of all, they don't get always the resources, and they also don't get the best kids. Because you know, if you've got a school, and we've got some in the St. Louis public, where uh, kids that get uh, uh, Bs or Cs 
they're not uh, privileged in the schools, and the ones who get A's are, well, you figure it out. If you've got a school that has students with all A's, then sure, it's going to be a great school. But the point is, is to have schools that represent everybody's interests and that try to bring the students who have lower scores and lower uh, grade point averages to the point where they can be successful as well. That's the key to all of this. And and if exactly. if and and it's not it's not just St. Louis public that does this. I say this all the time. You can go to Cincinnati, you can go to Pittsburgh, you can go to LA, you can go to Chicago. This exists all over the country. And and this business of bringing charter schools in and trying to say that somehow they're going to save the day and then give them all the good kids, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I, I'm, I want to jump in real quick. What is the retention uh, rate within the charter schools compared to the public schools? I'm not sure of their... Um I'm not sure of their retention rates. I don't have, you know, access mm -hmm. to their records and things like that. Um, what I do know is um, anecdotally, there are times in the year, in the school year, where there's just a lot of movement. Um, and that's, the, that's around October. Um, and that's where, that's that time of year where the, they, the check clears. Um, and so, the schools will receive their funding per pupil. Um, they will receive that dollar amount for a student who enrolled um, in a charter school, and then they will um, do what they call counseling the students out. And so they'll go to that student that may have some learning disabilities, some challenges, some behavioral issues, and they will tell them, um, it might just be best for you to go back to your neighborhood school. And those students do leave. Um, and so when you be, you have to be very leery um, and very careful when you hear charter schools boasting about their numbers, about Oh, 100% graduation rate and things like that, or or we have 100% students doing X, Y, or Z. It is because they have kicked out the students that didn't meet those um, that criteria or meet the goals that they set. They go ahead and remove those, and so that's a question for them. Um, and because of how they're governed, the they may or may not have to tell you that information. Um, it right. may be it may be under wraps, um, and and so it, it's a it's a so-called public school, but they do play by a different set of rules um, that tend to be in their own favor. And yeah, that's what it sounds. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. Go ahead, Miss CJ. They also don't stay open long enough. Um, their their data may be off of five years, whereas we're we're we've been. We've been in, you know, our schools have been running. Their data may be five years or seven years. They're 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 not providing data um, continuously because they're not open. They're closing down, and all of those babies are forced up on St. Louis Public Schools for us to find a location and a spot for that baby. Yeah, and it, that that sounds kind of horrible to me. It's like they get the check cut, and as soon as that check is arrived, then we're gonna kick the students out. And, and how are you going to maintain a student at that given point in time? Because, you know, I know what it would do to my morale, you know, if I was having, you know, uh, difficulties with my education or if I had, you know, anything like that, even behavioral issues. It's like, you know, we have to work harder as educators with those individual students to get them at a level. The second that we start turning our back and start throwing them away, that's where they feel that way. Then it's like school wide. And then you have the rule, you know, at 16 years old, I don't have to go to school. Well, at that given point in time, they're not. They're not going to go to school. So it's it's really sad. It's really sad, ladies. Well, you know, I, oh, go I ahead. had um, go I wanted to chime in because I, I definitely um, I currently work for St. Louis Public Schools. But before uh, coming to the district, I worked for them. I worked for um, a nonprofit organization. Um, it was called We Power. They are still around. They got started in, I think, 2018. Um, and they started with this angle of they were going to train parents 
to do advocacy work. Um, and I, I was all for that. I am a, a, a graduate of St. Louis Public Schools, um, proud Beaumont alumni, uh, those blue jackets. I talk about them all the time. I got my little blue and gold t-shirt under here. Also my blue and white t-shirt for Zeta, um, all the things, but just a lot of, <laughs> just and, a lot of when pride. Did, when did you graduate from Beaumont? I graduated in uh, 1998, and so right before the big boom of um, charter schools in the city. So as I was graduating and leaving, and I had an excellent education, excellent teachers, mentors, um, people that provided. And at that time, we had everything. When you, I mean, you're talking about Beaumont, a high school that closed in 2014 in the heart of North City, but we had every single thing available to us. We had we had home economics. We had band and show choir and ROTC and a pool and a track team and a football team and basketball team and the majorettes and you name it. I could keep going. French, um, Spanish. We had all of the classes, college prep and also special education all in the same building. And so talking about providing a well-rounded education for the students and meeting everybody where they were, that was at Beaumont High School. That was available to us. And counselors that would help you find resources to work right after high school and or go to college and or join the military. So there, everything was available at our fingertips. But when you start um, exposing this charter system into the, the educational landscape, then they start picking apart what was being offered and things, the resources became less and less and less. And so now we have to pull this funding for this program. We can't offer this anymore, but now they're offering that at the charter schools. It hasn't helped. Um, it hasn't been the, um, the answer to our prayers. It's actually created an actual nightmare um, for our students and they receive less and less and unless they can win the charter lottery and be good enough to stay um, in those schools. So yeah. it's something that I stand up against very strongly. And I believe um, that we should be fighting for for what is what is ours and what our tax dollars um, rightly, rightly should pay for. Yeah. And actually, Gloria, I went to uh, to Beaumont uh, in 2000. So just shortly after you left. And uh, I was there with uh, um, uh, Travis Brown for seven years. And we embedded in that school a, a, um, an academy of finance that taught students about economics and markets and all kinds of great things. Students won contests, uh, national contests. I mean, great things happened. And the next thing you knew, they closed Beaumont, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. so, you know, and, 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 uh, uh, gave, uh, Travis, um, an advancement, uh, which was very nice what, you know, what they did, but frankly, he didn't want to leave. He, he was loving the way we were developing this school that was doing really exciting things for kids. And, and I can tell you, I still talk to those kids Gloria, they call all the time. They call to talk about markets and economics. And it's, it's just, just the way schools should be. And, and what we've done in the meantime is, is very unfortunate. I think the charter schools have played a very big part in devaluing uh, some of the greatness that of potential that, that existed there. Uh, obviously, you know, there's Sumner, which, you know how people have fought to keep it open and other people have tried to, to close it over the years. And, uh, you know, just so many things uh, that have, have gone on against the interests of our young people. And, you know, the first thing that I time that I ever came into contact with charter schools was and you may recall this is when Jerry Brown was here in St. Louis at Washington University. And he was talking about a charter school that he personally started in Oakland, California. But this wasn't some private organization that was out to make some money. This was Jerry Brown trying to do everything he could to help some young people to get some special opportunities. Never 
did 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 Brown envision this idea of of turning the money over to private organizations and and somehow enriching these people at the expense of our students? So you know that's where we are, and and you know how to fight back against it. It's not so easy because you know that there are a lot of people out here who are saying something that on the surface sounds like it's sensible, which is, why can't the parents make their choice? But the problem is, is that if by, if by having parents make a choice, you are devaluing the very school system that was aimed at, at, at delivering public education to young people across the, the, uh, the levels of ability, across the, the economic levels, if you're, if you're devaluing that, you're killing our public school system in a way that, that it, it just won't come back if we allow this to continue to go on. Uh, you want to comment on that, CJ? Yeah, you know what, Mark? Um, that's, that's really good that you say that because um, our, our parents and our, our caregivers, they're leaving our city. You know, we, we have over 200 murders a year, drugs, violence, so many other things mm -hmm. that take into it. And our babies are being murdered right in front of our face. So if, the, if our parents and caregivers are not feeling comfortable in the community, why wouldn't they leave? So opening more, our community is already chaotic. Opening more schools will cause chaos in the community. And... It shouldn't because we should be trying to give more to the community. We should be trying to create stability in this unstable um, environment. And then to piggyback on a little bit more that we were talking about, underserved areas, there's, they're always attacked first because they think we weak and we won't stand up for our community and, you know, mm -hmm. our underserved black and brown neighborhoods. So I also, I grew up in JVL. I attended Dunbar, Car Lane in North City. And... In North City, I learned how to sew and cook before I was out of the seventh grade. I went to Gateway High School. I left with an electronics um, certificate. I knew how to wire a radio and a TV. We had those resources when I before I graduated in 2000. They're taking our resources, um, and then they're they're caught, they're making us look bad because we don't have the resources that these charters have because they have the money. And instead of letting them what they already have money, you're giving them more money on top of the money that they have. So it's continuously taking away from us. You spoke earlier about Jamila Nasheed. Of course, she supports charter schools. And it's kind of weird to me because most of the time, people that were elected officials support democracy. They don't support people being appointed, you know. So that was that's really weird. But I did know that that's what she supports. Um, we want to encourage um, democracy by the, the voters, the people that are choosing who they want to represent their schools, who they want to represent their communities, who they want to represent their students, not appointing people who probably has never dealt with a child ever in their life before to come and tell us in our community what's better for our children. I do know um, one thing for sure um, with Local 420 is they're a strong advocate for democracy and public education is a public good and it's a democracy. Well, listen, I want to thank both of you for joining us this afternoon and for, for helping us to, to really look at, at charter schools more at public education more. Uh, this is not the, the end of us talking about the, these things at all. In fact, uh, this is just the second week of our new show uh, showdown and uh, I, I, I am positive because I've already talked to a lot of people that they are going to be coming along to continue to discuss this issue of public education and what we can do to really increase the, the opportunities for young people to do great at, at, at Vachon and, and, and Sumner and, and Roosevelt and career academies. And, and, you know, these schools have got to be supported because in the future, they can be much, much better in delivering the kinds of education that we know is good for kids. And we just got to get the right people in the right places to, to, to provide the kind of, of service and respect for young people, for families, and, and for the teachers who work in these schools as well.
Mm -hmm. okay. My hats off to you, ladies. You all have a hard job, and I know you all do it well. And I want to say thank you. You all need to hear that. Thank yeah. you. So thank you very thank you much. Thank you very much for having us. And I do want to just say one more thing. I think when it comes down to it, um, our students have a whole life outside of school, each and every one of them. Um, and there's a lot that, that our families are dealing with in our city. Um, poverty, trauma, um, job insecurities, food insecurities, all of those things are a part of their lives. And so what they're going through is, it impacts how they show up to learn. And so with over 4,000 students who are um, mm -hmm. homeless, um, unhoused per McKinney-Vento laws, like that is something that needs to be addressed. And that cannot solely rest on the shoulders of the school district. The school district can't be the end all be all for every single thing, can't take the blame for everything and can't take the credit for everything. And so that's something that this is a community. So this is where the village needs to step up. We need housing. We need jobs. We need security and, 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 and food and uh, mental health resources and transportation and, you know, um, medical help. That doesn't all fall on St. Louis Public Schools. It's not going to be provided by St. Louis Public Schools and it will not be provided by charter schools either. We need the support. Right. We need help. We need the help. Yeah, there's a no charter question school is about not, that. A, a charter school is not going to save the day. No. Uh-uh. It right. won't. It Listen. won't. And so we need to get down to the business of caring for our citizens and building them up and, and having them have everything that they need to thrive. Not just throwing, them, throwing people in jail and uh, locking them up, throwing away the key. Yeah. We need all of the resources for school and their home lives. And, and, and both Gloria and CJ, let me assure you that, that I, I have worked with many people who believe that there is a way to do this. That, and, and, and this is not a guess. We, we can deliver excellence in education for young people in our inner cities all over the United States. But we've got to decide that we're going to intentionally create that environment. And, you know, charter schools is one area that does not really support that idea, at least in the view of a lot of us. And we're, we're just going to keep working on this. And again, thank you very much. I want to remind uh, the listeners that uh, Carla and Miguel have, have written on here uh, that they would like you to come to uh, Vashon High School on Wednesday, February 28th from 5.30 to 7.30. And you can listen and watch uh, a, a film uh, called Backpack Full of Cash. And, and hopefully that will also help some people to understand what's happening here and, and what some of the problems are and how we can go about addressing them. Yep. Doors open at 5. Okay. Thank you all. That's right. awesome. Okay. Right. Thank you. Good night. Okay, let's uh, sell a few things here, Steph, and then we can talk about some other things going on in the world um, once we bring our people to the greatest food. You know, when you're doing a show at 4.30 in the afternoon, uh, you know, you start thinking about eating. And, mm -hmm. and I can tell you that when you get off of, of the Internet and watching us uh, on, on – uh, on showdown, you can go straight to Wendy's at five o'clock and have a terrific meal. Although you could actually go earlier and watch us on your telephone as well. But Wendy's at 18,000 uh, Chesterfield Airport Road, and your dog is agreeing with us, Steph. I, I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. But 18,000 uh, Chesterfield Airport Road, and you'll be at Wendy's. Where the food is really great, and and you know I happen to favor the uh, uh, onion rings and the the uh, the ribs. I just happen to that's my favorite. But uh, they have pizza, they have everything. It's great. It's an outstanding restaurant, and all you got to do is go to Wendy's, eighteen thousand Chesterfield Airport Road, and 
Check it out. You won't be sorry. Give us a call and tell us the great food that you've had at Wendy's. Now, I also want to send you to somewhere where you can get yourself dressed up so that you can go to Wendy's. Now, I, and I understand everybody at Wendy's isn't in a suit and tie like I am, but uh, you might want to go out looking really nice. And if you do, here I am, suit and tie. And today I got a, a, a nice uh, brand new blue silk tie, $5, $5 at the St. Louis Suit Company on the corner of Forsyth and Central in Clayton. And I always like to point out that you can get a $5 beautiful tie that you're going to wear for years at the St. Louis Suit Company. And, and on the other hand, you could have gone and gotten a, a $50 tie at, at Donald Trump's place, and, and that thing would have, would have choked you uh, in, a, in a very short period of time. But we're offering you the opportunity to get a, a, a beautiful tie, great suits, everything just fabulous at the St. Louis Suit Company in Clayton. They've been there for 29 years. Jay and Nick, and believe me, they've got fabulous clothes. You will never go wrong at the St. Louis Suit Company in Clayton. Finally, my might, favorite spot. Yeah, well, you know, somehow the guys <laughs> usually don't love the jewelry the way the women do. But on the other hand, the guys have to buy the jewelry uh, because their women want it. And uh, I understand women buy their own jewelry sometimes too. But, you know, if you're going to get married and get a nice, you know, outfit to, to, to go to your wedding over at uh, the St. Louis Suit Company, you're probably going to have to buy a ring or two uh, in order to make sure that that uh, wedding continues to go off properly. So anyway, uh, 4506 Hampton, and that's Jewels on Hampton, owned, of course, by Al. Uh, Al will will sell you coins and jewelry, and he'll make up jewelry for you. They fix watches. They sell watches. Uh, it's just a great place uh, to buy and sell jewelry. And, and if you're looking for the, the best jewelry, uh, really, Al's got it at Jewels on Hampton, 4506 Hampton. And check them out because they're great. And just tell Al that, you know, you heard about them over here on Showdown, and they will be very pleased to, to, to meet you and, and show you everything that they've got at Jules on Hampton, 4506 Hampton. Yes. So, Steph. Yeah, Mark. Tell me what's happening with, with what you've seen today in the world. Ah. <sighs> What I've seen today in the world, well, really not much because, you know, my focus was work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Listen, you know, capitalism my focus was work. Make some money. Yeah. yeah. That, you you got to do it. But at the but at the end of the day, you know, you get on here and and you touch bases with people like Gloria and Miss CJ and and if you realize just how important what we do and what you know you teaching and when I talk how how important our education system is to our young you know young young children young adults um, it's it's not an easy task and like they said you know I remember experiencing myself even at the uh, college level you know exactly what uh, they had explained, Ms. Gloria explained, is that they don't have, the, it, it takes more than you just can't put it on the school itself because you have issues, like we said, with getting to school. So you have to have transportation to and from school. You know, they have home issues, so they do need therapy or counseling with that. You know, we had a couple of students that I remember that uh, one of them commit, did commit suicide because she was going through mental health issues and had lost her daughter and right behind that lost her son. So you, you and, and she was like this close to graduating. So you know, there, there's a lot of things out there that in, a, in one complete circle, 
that has to happen to achieve that goal and funding is one of those things to be able to give the children everything that they need to succeed. Yeah. And I can say, uh, you know, 23 years of teaching in the St. Louis inner city, uh, I've enjoyed every bit of it that there, what there, I can't think of a day that I went to school that I didn't really enjoy the kids. The, the, the teenagers are, are fabulous. And then, uh, 12 years at Fontbonne where I loved the college students. So, you know, all of it is, is uh, amazing to me. Learning is important. And, you know, it's, it's funny because in, in a lot of the polling that we've seen in the last few days, uh, I always uh, take notice when they, they mention that the people who vote for Donald Trump are the people who don't have a college education. And I got a couple of brothers who didn't go to college and they are strongly anti-Trump. But but we always get into this argument over what's good college or no college. And, you know, I happen to be a person that believes that that young people going to college is extremely important. And I think that when you look at the black community and you wonder what are the solutions for problems in, in the black communities across America, I mean, I am I am convinced that if you have an army of college-educated scholars among black students, first of all, they'll be very progressive. They'll be looking for new ideas uh, aimed at trying to help people, to help people to do better, to make our country do better. And I, I think that, that it, these will be the kind of people who will absolutely never vote for a dictator, for an autocrat, for a, 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 a mentally ill lunatic like Donald J. Trump, who has put himself out here um, just over the last uh, couple of days. Uh, I don't know if you saw this one, and you probably did, Steph, but where he got in front of this audience of black people. And first, he, he started talking to them about the fact that it was a dark room and that he could hardly see anybody. Ha ha, because <laughs> because they're black. I mean, the man has got a serious illness. And, and then on top of that, uh, he's out here uh, saying all kinds of crazy things about how black people should really like him. And, the, and he says they do, that they love him because... He's got that uh, mugshot, and because he's a criminal, yeah, they can relate to him. Exactly. Right? They can relate to him. I saw that. Yeah. So if you're I black, if you're black, you can certainly relate to Donald J. Trump and his 91 felony counts, because we all know that all black people are criminals. I mean, hmm. the the man is nuts. You yeah. know, and and he's so proud of the votes that he got out of the black community. In the last uh, election, which he got 8%, Stephanie, 8%. And I bet so many people over on Channel 30 uh, that, that, that came on the air from time to time uh, talking about how Donald Trump was just going to roll over everybody in the black community. And I always said, look, if the guy gets 10%, it'll be a miracle. And, and it's the same thing coming into this year. You can go out and find a black person that says, I'm for Donald Trump. They, they had a guy on uh, uh, Meet the Press this weekend, uh, uh, Congressman uh, Donalds. I think it was Byron Donalds. I think that's his name. But at any rate, he's black. And he was just gushing, you know, at, at, at how excited he is to vote as a, a black Republican for Donald Trump. And, and you know... So many of us heard just in the last few weeks when Trump talked about the fact that America's blood was being poisoned by immigrants coming from Africa. And I have to say that if you didn't listen to his words or if you don't believe his words, you're making a gigantic mistake because these dictators they tell you what they're going to do. And the only way they ever get away with anything is if people don't listen to their words 
and believe it when they tell you what they're going to do to us. Well, you know, my people hear what they want to hear. They hear what they want to hear. Um, unlike you and I, we we dissect every word that come out of somebody's mouth. Um, and they the old school saying you call the spade a spade. So if it came out of his mouth, that's exactly what he meant. Um, I, I, I look at it like this, that every last person in the United States of America and abroad that even thought they supported Black Lives Matter, those same 100,000 and more or whoever should be the ones that are not supporting Trump right now because of the stuff that's coming out of his mouth. That that I'm just beyond livid at that stuff. I, I, I just, I don't know. And it's a lot of people out here who, who, who don't see it for what it is. Yeah, and they I think also, that he's yeah they think that he's being you know whitewashed and you know he was a he was a better president because he did more for the blacks when he was in office than any president in the United States ever. Well, it's easy um, to say that anybody could say it. I mean, the man said the man said I am the most or I am the least racist person you're ever going to meet in the world. Well, I mean, Hitler could say. I love the Jews more than anybody on the planet while he was killing. I was raised that if you sit up here and say you, you have white friends and you're not the, you're, you're not racist nine times out of 10, you are. That's the way I was raised. Yeah. I'll tell you, you know, it's, it's hard to know what's in a person's heart, but it's not mm -hmm. hard to know what's going on with Donald Trump because as his, psychologist niece says the man is a mentally ill sociopath and and here he's coming into court and 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 we're going to start off with the uh the the election uh uh interference uh plan that he came up with that involved stormy daniels and 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 the hush money that he paid but it wasn't about the hush money it was about the election it was an attempt to influence the election in a way that, that we know is illegal and which they're going to evaluate in that courtroom in New York City. And, you know, if, if he loses on one of those felony counts, he's going to go to jail for a long time. And that's one case. So, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, if I'm Donald... Uh, I, I, w I would be pretty scared if I weren't a sociopath and thought that I could just do anything I want, which the man has done for 40 years because he has found people who have helped him to use our system, our, 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 our education, or not education, our, our, our justice system in a way that was never intended. Now, like I always right. like I always say, uh, Al Capone also did a great job of it. He escaped going to jail for murder. But then, of course, we finally got him for tax evasion. And that was the end of the criminal. And that's coming on Donald. But, you know, we've we have another thing going on here in the next few days as we approach the end of our show today, Steph. And that is this number one potential shutdown of the government. So that, mm -hmm. that may happen. It's a, it's a partial shutdown, but it will do tremendous damage if it, if it occurs. And the second thing is, is this money that needs to go to Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan. And, and obviously, Ukraine being most important right at the moment because people in Ukraine are dying Okay, I'm not trying to be funny, but you just said money that needs to go abroad. And we were just talking about money is needed for our public school systems. I, I need America to understand what is actually needed here. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. But Makes be, no sense to me. Yeah, but be careful because, uh, first of all, we're a very wealthy country and we can easily afford both. And if we if we put the money to the inner cities which we should do, then that does not prevent us from sending the money that we need to send to Europe for its defense. Because 
here's the thing. In 1938 and 1939, people in America said exactly this. Led by Charles Lindbergh, they said, this is not our business. What Hitler does in Czechoslovakia doesn't affect what happens uh, on Martin Luther King uh, or some other uh, street in, in America. But you see, the answer is it does affect all of us. It affects every single person in the United States if, if Vladimir Putin is allowed to run rampant through Europe. And, and look, Ukraine is one thing. And we can feel bad about what's happening in Ukraine. But I want to mention this. The United States makes commitments at times. And when we make a commitment, we have to live up to it. And in the case of Ukraine, when the Soviet Union disbanded, there were 1,400 nuclear weapons sitting in Ukraine, and nobody knew in Ukraine what to do with them. And the United States said, if you allow us to come in and dismantle your nuclear weapons and protect you because you don't really know what to do with them in the first place, then we promise that we will defend you well into the future so that you don't suffer because you gave up your nuclear weapons. So number one, we're, we're living up to that commitment today. The second thing is, is that we've got a, a, an organization, NATO, and that organization promises in Article 5 of, of NATO that if anybody attacks any of the countries within the organization, that it will be considered an attack on every country in the organization. And what that means is if we allow Ukraine to go down the tubes, the next thing will be Poland. And when, when Vladimir Putin goes into Poland, which is a NATO country, and if we have to defend Poland, now we're talking about World War III. So I have to say that if we want our inner cities or even any of our cities to survive, the only way that's going to happen is if the United States continues to protect the world as a leader, not as a scared little puppy that runs away from its commitments and says, well... We don't have to do that because they didn't pay enough. It's not, it's not the way that we work. It's not the way that we have prevented war for 79 years. And we've, we've done that. We have prevented war in Europe yeah. for 79 years. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, and I hate I to just know that there's a lot that's needed also here. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't assist what i'm saying is that i i've noticed throughout my lifetime is that we are good for funding so many things but the things that are truly needed within our inner cities and that's true that that's the way it's been but doesn't mean it has to be that way and we do have Correct. the resources to take care of all of this we can walk and chew gum at the same time we can protect the world from a, a, a wild and crazy dictator who we know is in business with Donald Trump. We can protect the world from that dictator. And then on top of that, we can come back into our cities and do things for people. A, a, a perfect example. Joe Biden reduced poverty among children in America by 50% back two years ago before this current Congress came into effect and shut it all down. Now, the, the only way to get this back and to get that child credit out there for people is going to be for people to reelect Joe Biden because Donald Trump will trash everybody except for Donald Trump. Yep. So... Anyway, we're I like what Stephen Todd uh, wrote in here. Um, he says some folks hate government. Many uneducated folks really hate government. Trump loves uneducated people. So add it up. Well, that's exactly right. And that's why the uneducated people vote for him. And, you know, it's a sad thing that that some people get upset when you say it. But if it's a fact, it's a fact. People without education vote for Donald Trump. It's a fact. The numbers are there. 
the college-educated people vote for Joe Biden and the Democratic Party. That's what we do. And there are people out here today like uh, 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 Healy, uh, losing my mind. Uh, Come on, Mark. Haley. Uh, She got 40% of the vote in South Carolina. That is incredible. You know, Donald Trump got 60%. uh, She got 40. And Joe Mm -hmm. Biden got 96% in the Democratic primary, though he ran against two other people. The point being, there are huge numbers of people in America that do not want this lunatic back. And, And I am sure that if it's Joe Biden against Donald Trump, it's the end of Trump. And not to mention, he may not even get even close to it because obviously uh, he's got a problem with all of his uh, indictments. They're going nowhere but down for Donald Trump. And by the way, I want to say one more thing, and that is Fonnie Willis. Believe me, all these people are out here saying bad things about Fonnie Willis. They are wrong. She is going to survive this thing, and that case in, in Georgia is going to go forward in a very constructive way. Anyway, we got to get out of here. It's five o'clock, Steph, and I appreciate you and uh, and those who joined us. We got more people joining us tomorrow with all kinds of fun things to talk about. And this is showdown. It's showdown. It is showdown. And I'm Mark Kaysen. And I'm Stephanie. Good night. <laughs>